Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Scary Stories for the Soul. Uh, long time no podcast, right guys? Well, it is Christmas and we are back and we are going to dive right in. The legend of La Llorona is one that every Hispanic and Latin child has heard before. There was once a beautiful and humble young woman named Maria who was sought after by all the men in her small village. One day, a handsome and rich ranchero strolls into the village, the two lock eyes, and immediately fall in love with each other. They begin a whirlwind romance, and the couple quickly get married, which leads to the birth of their two sons. But the ranchero was not one to be domesticated. After having multiple affairs, he decided to leave Maria for a much younger woman. Abandoned and heartbroken, with two small children to care for and no help, Maria becomes more and more desperate. She begins to have unforgivable and dangerous thoughts. Where would her life be if she had never had children? Does he love her less than he loves the children? In a moment of anger and desperation, Maria takes her children for a walk and drowns them in a nearby river. Once she realizes what she's done, Maria tries to revive her children but is unable to. Consumed by guilt and grief and heartache and pain, she ends her life by throwing herself in the same river. Now legend has it that her soul went up to heaven in the hopes of being reunited with her sons, but when she arrived at the gates before God, he denied her entry for what she had done to her children. Instead, he decided to punish her by turning her into a languished and tormented spirit who must roam the earth searching for her dead children never to be reunited with them. So Maria walks the streets at night, wailing and crying for her dead children. ¿Dónde están mis hijos? ¡Ay, mis hijos! She cries. Where are my children? Where are my children? Children are told never to be alone at night because Maria will take any child she sees in the hopes of replacing the ones that she tragically lost. But the legend of La Llorona changes from person to person and from region to region. There is no right or wrong version of her story, regardless of who says it to you. In Venezuela, La Llorona was a war widow. She married young and was almost immediately widowed when her new husband went off to war. She was forced to raise her children alone and when the stresses and frustrations became too much, she killed them by drowning them in the river by her home. She immediately threw herself in the river and died shortly after them. As a tormented spirit, she walks along the sides of rivers, kidnapping children to replace the ones that she killed. Some of the children she takes are never seen again. Some are found dead in rivers. Families tell stories of La Llorona to stop children from being out alone at night. They place wooden crosses above their doors to ward off her spirit and any other malevolent spirit that would harm their children. That story is actually very close to the ones that you would hear in other regions of Mexico as well. The American Southwest has their own version of the legend of La Llorona as well. Maria, supposedly, was born to a poor family in a small and humble village. Her beauty was captivating and captured the attention of all the men in the area, both rich and poor. She was said to have spent her days 
working around the village, doing her chores, and keeping to herself. But things were very different when the nighttime came around. Once the sun set, Maria would put on her favorite white dress and go out to the local bars to flirt with men and have fun. Men would anxiously await her arrival at the end of the day and they would consider themselves lucky if she even remotely looked their way. What people didn't know was that Maria had two small sons at home from a man who had left her very, very early on. Legend says that she was a young mother and it was hard for her to balance her life as a mother with her wanting to go out and enjoy her youth. One day, her two boys were found drowned in the local river. Some say that she went out one night and left them alone. The boys got hungry and went out to search for their mother when they fell into the river and drowned. Others say that she drowned the boys herself so that she would be free of the responsibilities of motherhood, a responsibility that she never wanted to begin with. Nobody knows definitively how the boys died, but that didn't stop the people of the village from blaming Maria for the death of her children. She was tired of the rumors and the accusations and the grief that she felt over losing her two sons, so she threw herself in the same river where her sons were found. The village was happy to be rid of Maria. They felt no grief when her body was found floating in the river. They thought that she was a child murderer, and child murderers are not something to be wept over. But all that changed when children started to report seeing a ghostly woman in white walking the streets and riverbanks at night. She would call to the children, beckoning them to come closer. Children were hypnotized by her. They were lured in with her lullaby voice and her terrifyingly beautiful features. But they were scared of her as well. When she called to them and said, Ven, niños, niños lindos. Yo los voy a cuidar para siempre. Los voy a querer para siempre. Me voy a quedar con ustedes. They knew that she wanted to take them away and keep them forever. Soon, children started to go missing. Some were found floating in the same river where Maria had killed her children, and some were simply never seen or heard from again. Then the wailing began. Every night around midnight, the languished cries of Maria's tortured spirit could be heard throughout the streets. Ay, mis niños, she would cry out. ¿Dónde están mis niños? Where are my children? Everyone knew that she was looking for her dead children, and they knew that if she saw any child on the streets after dark or awake in their rooms past midnight, she would come for them. She would take any child that she could get to replace the ones that she had killed. The legend of La Llorona is also used as a cautionary tale for unruly or misbehaving children. La Llorona visits bad children. She can sense when you are being rude to your mother. She can hear the nasty things that you say to her. So the next time you think about raising your voice to your mom, remember that La Llorona is always listening, waiting for the night to come so she can take you away. Once the sun sets and the coldness of night replaces the warmth of day, La Llorona comes out. She glides through the streets at night, wailing and crying for her lost children, 
perfectly content to take any child she sees in their place. And like I said, there are multiple versions of La Llorona. Everybody seems to have a tale or two about who she was, what she did to her children, whether or not it was an accident, or whether or not it was done on purpose. There are multiple narratives of her. One thing that a lot of people seem to agree with as of recently is this narrative of her being an absent mother or the narrative of her being a woman who chose the love of a man over the love of her children. The movie La Llorona from 2019 actually appeared in a film festival. It's a Guatemalan version of the tale that talks about La Llorona as a war widow who was killed along with her husband and her children by guerrilla warriors. This narrative specifically paints the picture of La Llorona as a woman who is taking revenge on the men who killed her and took her children. It's a completely different take on a story that we have heard for multiple, multiple generations. And frankly, it's a fresh take on the story. It stops this narrative of her being a lovesick woman who kills her children for the sake of a man. The movie is directed by Jairo Bustamante, and it is available on Shutter if anybody wants to watch it. There's also the 2019 version of La Llorona, which was directed by the same people who did the conjuring from the same person who did the Annabelle movies that's a more traditional take on the story that we've heard it follows along the exact same narrative but it's still pretty cool it's called the curse of la llorona it's also available on hulu and it's available on shutter and i mean let's get honest you can never go wrong with james wan now the story that you're about to hear is one of fear and it's one of regret and it makes you ask yourself what would you do if you heard the cries of La Llorona in the dead of night how would you protect yourself and what exactly would you do if your actions caused the demise of another Miguel stared into the crackling flames of the bonfire in front of him and wrapped his blanket tighter around him. He'd only been in Mexico for a few days, and he was surprised he wasn't more homesick. Every year, he and his mother took the trip down to his uncle's ranch together, but this year, she couldn't get away from work, and being 18, his mother thought it was okay for him to travel on his own. He was nervous, but once he stepped foot on the ranch and ate some of his aunt's food and walked the streets of Colima, all the worry melted away, and he was kind of happy his mom didn't tag along. Now... The whole family was drinking hot chocolate and eating bolillos around the fire, and his uncle had promised him a scary story. Is everyone ready? His uncle asked. Miguel looked around at his cousins and his aunt. His cousins didn't look too excited. In fact, the younger ones already looked scared, and the story hadn't even started. Just take it easy, his aunt said with a small smile. She pulled his youngest cousin onto her lap and nodded at her husband to proceed. Miguel, what has your mother told you about La Leyenda de la Llorona? His uncle Jesus asked. Um, 
She said that she was a beautiful young mother who drowned her children after her husband left her for a younger woman. And now she just walks around rivers at night and steals any kid that she might see wandering by. Hmm. That's one version of the story, yeah. His uncle replied with a devilish grin. La Llorona was a woman named Maria who fell in love with a rich ranchero. They immediately got married. She became pregnant with a son and then she gave birth to another son. So soon enough, her life was overrun by children. She thought her life was perfect. She had two beautiful boys, a handsome husband, and enough land and cattle to never have to worry about where their next meal would come from or where they would be laying their heads at night. But what Maria didn't know was that her husband had wandering eyes and he had become bored with his domesticated life. One day, he came to Maria with another woman in his arms and told her that he was leaving her for someone else. She could keep the ranch. He had already established a second home with his mistress, but he would be back in a few days for his boys. And with that, he rode off and out of Maria's life for good. Wow, that's kind of a dick move. Miguel replied. Yeah, his uncle said, the most dick of moves. Language, his aunt said. Miguel rolled her eyes, but tried to keep the language to a minimum. That night, Maria tossed and turned in her bed, his uncle continued. How could he abandon her like that? If it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have had his sons. She gave him that. And he was just going to take them away from her and have another woman raise her children? No, she couldn't let that happen. But what could she do? Uh, she could run away, Miguel said. Shh, stop interrupting, his young cousin Rogelio said. She had no money of her own, his uncle said. Without him, she wouldn't be able to afford to maintain the ranch because he had never allowed her to get a job. She had no options, no support, and who knew when he would be back to take her sons away? She had no idea how much time she had left. Maria began to cry out of desperation, fear, and anger. In a moment of madness, she got her sons out of bed, got them dressed, and told them that they were going to go see their father. Oh yeah, uh, nothing suspicious about a midnight stroll, right guys? Miguel looked around the fire, but his cousins were too engrossed in the scary tale to even remotely think about what he had just said. While walking along the banks of the river, where they had spent many family moments together, his uncle continued, Maria threw her sons in the river and drowned them. In her crazed mind, it was the only way to stop her husband from taking them away from her. It was also a small act of revenge. He tore her heart open, so she was going to take away the one thing she knew that he still loved. However, once the air bubbles finally disappeared in the river's water and she saw her son's small bodies bobbing, Maria realized what she had just done. She had murdered her boys. Maria ran into the river, grabbed their bodies, and tried to revive them, but it was no use. She gave one last cry of pain before throwing herself downstream and drowning along with her sons. 
Maria's husband came back the next morning to retrieve them, and when he noticed that the house was empty, he went down to the riverbank where he knew they would love to play. There, he found all three bodies. The church organized a proper barrier for the two little boys, but because Maria had committed the ultimate sin of murdering her own children and then committing suicide, they buried her in a shallow grave by the river, away from her children. Legend says that that very night, the people of the town could hear Maria's languished cries. Ay, mis niños, she cried throughout the night. Children started going missing, and others were found dead in that exact same river where Maria had killed her children. This is what happens to kids who don't obey their kids, their parents, and sneak out after dark. Um, sorry, uh, I don't understand what sneaking out after dark has anything to do with the fact that this woman killed her kids, Miguel said. His aunt looked at him, and then back at her husband. Well, um... Let's say you're out, you snuck out of the house, and La Llorona comes and finds you. Whose fault is that, Miguel? Maybe you shouldn't have been out at midnight. Miguel rolled his eyes at his aunt, but he secretly worried that she might be catching on to his plan for later on that night. Well, my mom said that you could see when she's coming because she can sense you being up past bedtime. Miguel stuttered. If you look out your window, you could see her outside looking up at you, and if you make eye contact with her, you are as good as hers. Uh, yeah, that's also true. How do you protect yourself from her? Miguel's cousin Alex asked. Miguel chuckled at the fright in his cousin's voice, but a shiver of fear ran down his own spine. Houses put candles in the shape of crosses out on their front porches, his uncle replied. The sign of the Holy Cross stops her from entering your property. Miguel turned to look back at his aunt and uncle's house in the distance. He could see the flame of a candle burning bright from their front porch. There's no such thing as La Llorona, Miguel said more to himself than to anyone else. Oh, you don't think so? his uncle asked. No, I don't, he said defiantly. And even if there was, she only goes after little kids, he said, looking at his cousins little kids named Rogelio. His cousin Rogelio looked at him wide-eyed with fear. Nuh-uh, he said, shivering. Yes, huh? Miguel replied, trying to do his best serious voice. One of her sons was, sons was named Rogelio, and now she goes after Rogelio's almost exclusively. Before Rogelio got the chance to say anything else, Miguel poked him in the ribs and yelled, Mis niños! The fright knocked Rogelio out of his mother's lap and onto the damp dirt. Everyone laughed as they watched the two tussle on the floor, but then a mighty wind picked up around them. It howled and wailed as it threatened to put out their bonfire. It only lasted for a few seconds, but when it was over, Miguel watched his aunt and uncle exchange worried glances. He saw his uncle look back over to their house, and when the candle on their porch flickered, he got up and said, All right, everyone, that's enough. It's time for bed. We have a big day ahead of us tomorrow, and I don't want to hear anyone complaining about being tired. They packed up their blankets and mugs and snacks and walked back over to the house. Miguel looked back at the trees that surrounded their fire pit, and when the wind blew again, he could have sworn he heard the voice of a woman floating in the breeze. Miguel was much older than his cousins, and while he loved spending time with them and with his aunt and his uncle, 
he really wanted to go out on his own at least once while he was in Mexico. They had scheduled his day down to the minute with activities, museum trips, and family get-togethers, so he knew as he was lacing up his sneakers and tiptoeing down the stairs that this was the only opportunity he was going to get to do that. He was nervous at first. It was midnight, and he really didn't know his way around town. Also, his aunt was definitely up on him. But he swallowed his fear and walked out of the front gate that surrounded their large property. It wasn't very cold out, but there was a chill in the air that made Miguel uncomfortable. He didn't know if it was because it was midnight or because there was no moon or stars out to illuminate the night sky, but the more he walked, the farther he got from his aunt and uncle's house, the more he felt like someone was watching him. He got a shiver up his spine that he couldn't shake off. He wrapped his jacket tighter around him and briefly thought about turning back around. It was midnight. What was he going to do anyway? Maybe he could go to the tourist bars and trick the bartender into giving him a drink. Or he could see if his friend Tony was awake and wanted to sneak out too. They could go to a club or anywhere really. He just wanted to go do something. A woman standing in the middle of the road took Miguel out of his internal monologue. She stood there staring at him, or at least he thought she was looking at him. He couldn't tell with the white veil covering her face. Her dress was white, but a little dingy. The hem was torn and speckled with mud. He could see her dark brown hair flowing from behind the veil and falling down to around her elbows. He stopped in his tracks, unable to break eye contact, but also unable to move forward. There was something off about her. He didn't want to go near her. Before he got the chance to do anything, she took a few steps towards him and said, Mi niño, ayúdame. Ven, toma mi mano y ayúdame. My boy, help me. I'm lost. Come, take my hand and help me. He didn't want to take her hand. He didn't want to help her. But he heard his mother's voice in his head saying, Don't be rude. He took a step forward and said, What can I help you with? He asked her, No puedo encontrar a mis niños. She said in a small voice, I can't find my children. Miguel's blood ran cold. She reached her arms out to him and he noticed that her hands were blue and dripping with water. Her fingernails looked like thick white talons. Mis niños, she whispered. Miguel began running without giving it a second thought. She could hear her feet hitting the dirt behind him. He could hear her voice next to his ear. Ben, Ben Nino. But he didn't turn around. He didn't dare turn around. This isn't happening, he said to himself over and over again, even as he heard her cries from behind him. He saw the fence surrounding his aunt and uncle's property and felt his heart leap in his chest. He didn't even try the gate. He just jumped over the fence and made a mad dash for the front door. When he finally got to it, he made sure not to knock over the candle that was still burning on the front porch. Miguel turned to look behind him. He was hoping that his imagination was playing tricks on him and that he had been hallucinating the whole thing. But he was proven wrong when he noticed the woman standing on the other side of the fence. She hadn't followed him inside. She stood still the wind blowing her hair out of her face. 
Through the veil, he could see her gaunt face and her mouth open wide in a perpetual scream. He burst through the front door and didn't realize that he had knocked the candle over with a shoe when he closed it behind him. Miguel ran to the kitchen, pulled a white candle out of the emergency preparedness kit before running up to his room. Once he was there, he lit it, made sure the flame was holding strong, then dove under the covers. He eventually fell asleep out of sheer panic and exhaustion. When he awoke the next morning, he heard a commotion in the living room. He heard his aunt screaming and crying and flew out of bed. When he got to the living room, he found his aunt crying on her knees while his uncle was speaking to two police officers. He didn't want to interrupt, so he waited until the living room cleared out to speak. What happened? He asked his uncle. Rogelio's gone, his uncle replied. What do you mean? He's gone, he said. We woke up this morning and he wasn't in his room. His bedroom door was wide open and there was muddy footprints on the carpet leading out of the room. There were some leading out of the house. One set was definitely his, but there was another pair that we just don't recognize. It's bare feet. We might have been taken. We just don't know. There are people searching in the woods and there are police officers all over town. I just, I just don't know what to do. The events from the night before came flooding into his mind. Miguel walked over to the front porch, but in his heart, he knew what had happened. He knew when he saw the turned-over, broken-in-half white candle what he had done. La Llorona had come to the house, but she hadn't been able to get to his room because he had lit a candle of his own. So, she took the first child she was able to get to. Miguel spent the rest of his time in Mexico searching for Rogelio. He walked the trails around the property, and he traversed the woods next to the house. The only thing he ever found was a shoe on the riverbank of the river by the property. He knew it was Rogelio's. It had his name on the sole. And when he took it back to his aunt and uncle, he watched them exchange horrified glances. Where did you say you found this? His aunt asked. By the river, he whispered in response. Miguel went home that summer, heartbroken and afraid. He knew that La Llorona had actually wanted him. He knew that she wouldn't give up until she got him. He was always waiting to hear her cries, and he was always burning white candles, but he knew that it wasn't going to be enough because the night that he eventually heard La Llorona's cries was going to be the night that he was done for. What would you do if you heard La Llorona in the middle of the night? Would you run and hide, or would you just... just Miss it for the cries of the wind and move on. I'll tell you one thing. I would run and hide. And I would do everything in my power to not be taken by her. I was terrified of her as a child. And I will continue to be terrified of her for the rest of my life. Although I will say, when I was a kid, my older cousins used to throw sheets over their head and cry like La Llorona and chase me around the house. And... I'd like to think that one of the signs of adulthood is when you get to throw a sheet over your own head and chase your younger cousins around the house. But you know, that's just me. Who knows? Next week, we are going to hear some stories from people who had encounters with La Llorona. And we're going to see how they survived to be able, for them to be able to tell us their story. Have a Merry Christmas, guys. And don't forget, burn those white candles, even if you don't believe in La Llorona. Bye.